Welcome to yet another episode of Game of Thrones Abridged. We're feeling extra swifty tonight, 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 tonight. So I hope you're ready. Uh, we're going to be reading Bran 1, A Game of Thrones. Our first introduction of that sweetest and most crippled of point of view characters. And it's going to be a great time, I promise. Fingers crossed. So, the chapter begins, The Hunt Left at Dawn. So what's happening now is that King Robert is going off on a hunt. Uh, Bran Stark is left back at Winterfell. Um, and it's mentioned that King Robert hopes to hopes to kill a boar, hopes to bring back a, a boar, a pig man, back to eat uh, at Winterfell for dinner. Uh, which has, of course, this sort of ironic undertone, because King Robert Baratheon is, of course, eventually killed by a boar. Uh, so it's kind of funny that he's out killing one tonight. Uh, so yeah, the hunters are off to, to, to kill the boar. Uh, Benjen is off there, Jory, Theon, Roderick Castle... Theon, the t -t 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 Tyrion, Tyrion is, is off all on the hunt. They're off doing manly things. Bran, since he's so young, is left behind. Left behind with John the Bastard and the girls and Rickon the baby. Uh, and so Bran's like, oh, that, that, that kind of sucks. Bran mentions his own impression of, of John. Bran thinks that John is very angry at everyone these days, because John, of course, is doing his whole sort of mopey teenager thing, as a teenager is wont to do. Um, and Bran's like, fuck, I mean, why is John so mopey? He gets to join the Night's Watch. That's so cool, yo. That's that's so fun. So, I mean, naivety, as we'll see, is a common theme in this early chapter of Bran. Uh, anyway, so Bran is really excited because he's about to go south to the capital, King's Landing, uh, with his father, Ned. Uh, he's really excited about that. Uh, he mentions that Bran is excited that, that, that old Nan, the old lady, has, the storyteller, has mentioned that there are ghosts at King's Landing, and Bran is very excited about that. Bran loves ghost stories. Uh, they talk about how Bran is excited that Bran aspires to be a knight. Bran aspires to be a knight, and he talks about all the stories of, like, the legendary mythological knights of the past who Bran aspires to be like. They talk about Sowen of the Mirror Shield, and Ryman Redwine, and Aemon the Dragon Knight, and the twins Eric and Arik, and the Dance of the Dragons, and the White Bull, and Barristan Selmy, and Arthur Dane, all of these legendary knights, of which only Barristan remains. Um... So Bran is enamoured of this whole concept of being this heroic knight, of being a character in a story. That's that's a very consistent theme in Bran's arc. He starts out as this kid who's who's so naive and so so enthralled by the stories, who becomes a little bit disillusioned by the shit he later goes through. But we're yet to get to that. Um... And so, yeah, Bran describes his excitement about all these stories, but he also talks about uh, how he he meets some actual knights, some actual real-life knights. When King Robert comes to the north, he brings some Kingsguard with him. He brings uh, Sir Meryn Trant, and he brings Sir Boros, Boros Blunt, or whatever his name is. Um, and Bran expresses a certain degree of 
disappointment with these blokes. They are mere mortals. Uh, but he does express some <coughs> impressions. He's impressed by Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister is this very impressive fellow. Um, he looks more like the knights in the stories. Bran says, although Bran mentions that Rob has said to Bran that Jamie Lannister shouldn't count as a Kingsguard because, of course, he killed a fucking king that he was sworn to protect. Jamie Lannister killed King Aerys II Targaryen. Uh, so whatever. Uh, so Bran's like, um, blah, 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 blah. So Bran's excited about going south, but he's also a bit sad to leave his, to leave his home of Winterfell. Um, he likes Winterfell. He talks about some of the common people, well, some of the people in Winterfell who he likes. He likes Old Nan, he likes Gage the, to- Gage the Cook, he likes Mick and the Smithy, um, which, 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 again, reading in retrospect, is very sad, is very tragic, because many of these people Bran describes uh, are killed in Theon's capture, later capture of Winterfell, and in the Bolton's capture of Winterfell. Um, all these nice people from Bran's past who are doomed to fucking die. Um, uh, and so Bran's very sort of sad about about what he's going to leave behind. But he's also excited about the South. So we have conflict, we have tension within Bran. We have the naivety, we have the stories, we have the optimism. We also have the sort of, a sort of sense of realism and home and of, 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 of stationary e stationarity. Is there a noun for stationary other than station? Fuck off station. Anyway, uh, so Bran's like, yo, I'm at home, I'll, 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 I'll like that. Um, they mention Bran's relationship with Summer, the direwolf. There's a lot of groundwork of, like, the Stark kids have a, have a strong bond to the direwolves. That's an important thing at this point. Um, that's emphasized a lot. Uh, so Bran says that, yeah, like, he thinks that Summer understands every word that Bran says. Um, so there's a definite magical bond there. Uh, and they talk about how, uh, the, the naming of the direwolves, Bran isn't sure what to name his direwolf yet. Uh, later he decides to call the direwolf Summer. Um, and we see Bran's perspective on Arya's naming of, of her direwolf, Nymeria, and Bran describes Nymeria as some old witch queen in the songs. So it's cool to see the differing perspectives on the historical Nymeria by Bran and Arya, respectively. Uh, anyway, so they talk about the naming of the direwolves, um, and they mentioned that Bran enjoys climbing. Bran enjoys climbing around the castle, the towers, the walls of Winterfell. And he's like, well, since I'm about to leave Winterfell for a while, I may as well climb while I've got the chance. So he decides to go climb around uh, the blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and while Bran begins to climb the walls of Winterfell, his direwolf, Summer, who is not yet named Summer, begins to howl. He Summer howls multiple times. And Bran's like, fuck, just sit and stay quiet, yo. I got this. But Summer howls. Because, of course, Summer has read the books ahead. Summer's many pages ahead of Bran. And Summer knows that this climbing will go poorly for Bran. <laughs> Summer's seen the spoilers. Assonance. Alliteration. 
uh, and anyway, so the wolf is howling, Bran is climbing, uh, and Bran talks about how by climbing, by climbing the walls and towers and castles of Winterfell, he's able to see all of Winterfell in a glance. He sees Winterfell's secrets. He knows more than Win- than more than Maester Lewin sees. Um, so climbing for Bran is partly about seeing that which is unseen by others, which is interesting, sort of semi-foreshadowing, uh, compared to what happens to Bran later in terms of becoming the Three-Eyed Crow and gaining access to the Weirwood Net and being able to psychically see all the shit that's unseen. Climbing for Bran partly means seeing shit. Knowledge is part of what Bran's about at this point, which which is one of those sort of themes that becomes very real for him later on. Uh, and again, w- Bran alludes to Winterfell's secrets. Winterfell has this mythology. Winterfell has this whole shit going on. Winter- uh, Bran knows these paths and these secrets and these nooks and crannies to Winterfell that no one else knows. So that foreshadows Bran's interest in secret knowledge that comes later with the Children of the Fo- Forest and with Bloodraven. We need to do an old Shift X video about Bloodraven. Uh, and, yeah, they mention this sort of anecdote about how Bran, one time... Because all his family is concerned about him fucking falling while he's climbing and dying. Uh, so they mention this one time that Bran promised not to, not to climb, but then he did. So Eddard said, well, since you broke your promise, you've got to go pray to the godswood, the sacred old gods, the, the heart trees, the fucking religion of the trees. And he says, yo, you have to go pray to the trees for a while and stay there for a while. Uh, which is kind of cool because it represents an actual practice of the religion of the old gods, which we don't see much. Uh, certainly not in the show. We don't see much actual practice of the religion of the old gods. But in the book, Bran has to go sort of seek a sort of penance uh, in the godswood with the old gods, uh, which Bran eventually breaks by climbing one of the trees in the godswood. Uh, so Bran, so so Ned, sort of good-naturedly, uh, in response to Bran's climbing, sort of says, "Well, fuck! If cl- if you're into climbing, then fucking climb, but don't don't let your mother see." So, so Ned once again is a good guy in this particular situation. We also have mention of crows, uh, crows pecking out eyes and such. Um, so we have this, you know, alluding to the three-eyed crow who eventually turns up in Bran's storyline. And so, yeah, they go on about climbing, and and they imagine how Maester Lewin once made a little clay boy, a little boy made of clay, and dropped him from a tower to show how he shattered and broke to sort of warn Bran against the dangers of climbing. Bran's like, fuck, I'm not made of clay, you old bitch. Fuck you, I'm not going to stop climbing. Uh, which, again, is naive uh, and true, because Bran is not made of pottery. He's made of meat. Uh, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, Bran talks about the crows who live in a broken tower of Winterfell who he likes to go visit. And, of course, crows have that significance, the three-eyed crow and all that. Uh, and again, we have more talk of how Bran can see more while he's climbing than he can when he's bound by Earth. So again, like climbing and and is related in Bran's mind to seeing, which foreshadows Bran's psychic ability to see, 
uh, in later chapters and episodes. Um, so blah, 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 blah. He talks about climbing for a while. Uh, and then Bran climbs the broken tower and he hears a conversation between a woman and a man, Cersei Lannister and Jamie Lannister. Bran like Aya in some later chapters, is overhearing a very significant conversation. Um, and Cersei, Cersei, the woman Cersei, is complaining about how she doesn't want Eddard Stark to become king. She would rather that Jaime Lannister become Hand of the King. She would rather that, that, that Jaime Lannister, her brother, become Hand of the King, which is kind of funny to even consider. Like, Jaime fucking sucks at, like, the menial politics, day-to-day work. Uh, he would not be a good hand of the king, I suspect. But anyway, uh, they talk about sort of Robert. Uh, basically, the point here is that Cersei is un- is unhappy with a new arrangement of Eddard Stark becoming hand of the king. She would rather that one of the Lannisters become hand of the king, uh, but that's not what's happening. So Cersei is concerned with politics. Meanwhile, Jamie is basically just lazy and wants to fuck. Um, also, they're talking about the death of John Arryn. And from the perspective of the reader, it sounds like the Lannisters are sort of admitting an amount of guilt with regards to the death uh, of John Arryn. Of course, in reality, it was Littlefinger who arranged the death of John Arryn, um, Cersei and Jaime Lannister are more concerned with the secret getting out about their incestuous relationship. But to the reader, this passage sounds more like confirmation of the Lannisters being behind the death of John Arryn. So, this is a cool sort of multi-layered sort of a passage. You should fucking read it for yourself. I mean, what am I here for? Fuck. Anyway. Uh, so... Oh, so Jamie, so 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 Jamie's being an arrogant prick in most of this shit. Uh, he's talking about how uh, women women all lose their minds. There's something about birthing that makes you lose your minds. You're all mad. Basically, Jamie wants to fuck, and Cersei wants to talk about politics. Um, blah blah blah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And Bran is overlooking this complex political conversation, and he's going, fuck, what is going on? I'm like seven years old, yo, I don't know. Anyway, so Bran's climbing and listening in on this conversation, uh, and Cersei talks about how, well, Eddard is going to be really loyal to Robert, and that might be a problem. Uh... And Cersei talks about how, wow, it would really be convenient if 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 Robert Baratheon died soon so that Prince Joffrey could become king. That would be really convenient. And of course, Cersei will soon arrange the death of, of Robert Baratheon with the help of her cousin Lancel. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, They mentioned Lyanna Stark. So Cersei mentions how, man, it's going to be a problem if Robert Baratheon falls in love again like he did with Lyanna Stark. They also mentioned that Lyanna Stark was 16 years old, which was which is so young. Lyanna Stark is in many ways like the centerpiece in the beginning of Game of Thrones. Lyanna Stark is who Rhaegar Targaryen uh, quote-unquote abducted 
in order to start the War of the Five Kings. Lyanna Stark gave birth to Jon Snow, who is arguably, quote-unquote, the protagonist of Game of Thrones. Lyanna Stark has so much centrality in this story, and yet she died at the age of 16. So Lyanna Stark is an important figure, and Cersei mentions her in this uh, chapter. Although Jamie at this point, is more interested in fucking his sister, and that's kind of what he uh, talks about. Uh, he, quote-unquote, pleasures at hand. Um, so Jamie sort of insists, and they sort of fuck, and Bran is overlooking this, and he says, a man and a woman were wrestling. It's like that episode in South Park. There's like that, there's, a, there's an episode in South Park where Butters overlooks his, I think it's his father and some other man fucking, and he describes it as wrestling, um, because sex is a confusing thing to a child. But anyway, so Brown overlooks this shit. Oh, and and yeah, so while Cersei and Jamie Jamie begin to fuck, Cersei says, "Stop it, stop it, stop it! Oh, please!" So there's sort of a bit of ambiguous consent for those concerned. Uh, and and so yeah, they're fucking, and then Bran is observing, and then Bran tries to shift to get a better view, and then Cersei sees Bran overlooking their, their, their incestuous fuck, uh, and she thinks this is a bit of a, a bit of a problem, and so, so Jamie sort of grabs hold of Bran, overlooking their fuck from the window, and then Jamie, Cersei and Jamie sort of talk, and then Jamie looks over at Cersei and says, the things I do for love, he says, with loathing loathing, and then he gives Bran a shove, and then Bran falls, with only the crows watching. So that's a very significant chapter of Game of Thrones. Bran, of course, gets fucking paralyzed by his fall from the tower. Cersei and Jaime Lannister, we've heard of her attitudes to, their attitudes to Robert, King Robert Baratheon and all that. Um, and from the perspective of, of a first-time raider, this very much sets up the idea that the Lannisters are bad guys and the Starks are good guys. And it's only really until A Feast of Crows that we learn that the, the, the Jamie and Cersei are really just fucking people with their own fucking concerns. But in any case, this is a great starting point for Jamie as a character. You know, he starts as this, as this person who's willing to murder children in order to preserve his, his incestual relationship. And it also establishes Bran as this highly naive character who's so enamored with these stories of like the mirror shield guy and like the twins and all these legendary knights which only of course makes more tragic his fall and his crippling so it's been quite a lot of chapters but we're still sort of laying groundwork it's all about Establishing the start point of these characters in order to make more significance a sort of end game, their late point. Because ultimately a narrative, I suppose, is all about change, about transformation, about transition. What is a story without change? 
And that's what George R. R. Martin is establishing quite masterfully in these first few chapters of Game of Thrones. So thank you once more for listening to this nonsense. If you'd like to hear more, uh, please share and subscribe and all that shit. Uh, from now on, where we're going to release daily episodes is the plan. We'll see how that goes. Uh, if you'd like to download these episodes uh, as, a, as a semi-sort of a podcast, you can do so on Bandcamp. There's a link below. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you for watching, and I'll have a new episode for you tomorrow. Thank you and good night.